Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello. Good evening, everyone. How y'all doing? Hope you guys are getting through the day. Focusing on self-care, right? Some joy and pleasure and some rest. We've got to be, as we say, pleasure activists in our culture, right? Everyone's stressed out, overwhelmed, we're busy, we're doing all sorts of things, but uh, we gotta make time for joy and pleasure. That doesn't mean you're lazy. It doesn't mean you're uh, hedonistic or self-centered. It's self-centering, it's about mental health. Oh, the world is changing. I don't know what's going on in your cities. I'm My heart's broken. I'm watching a lot of, um, gosh, different restaurants and, and stores that are essentially local institutions, you know, places where community's been created. And it's really sad to watch the loss. I'm watching um, a hotel, the Standard Hotel here in Hollywood is closing. It's been a place where a lot of people spend a lot of great times. I used to go there uh, for first dates all the time and they had a beautiful pool. Um, also lots of bars and restaurants and a lot of them are putting together Kickstarters and, and whatnot to, to raise funds, but sadly it's not helping everyone. So it's really heartbreaking. And so just sending out love and care to those that are having their entire lives destroyed or reoriented and unemployment, it's heartbreaking and, and it's gonna be a, a slow rebuild. Um, but with that does come some change. So honoring and empathizing with all that loss in the morning of that. And um, also just looking at some of what's coming in. Those that are really, you know, followed my work for a while know that I'm vegan, I'm plant-based and um, LA. And I'm curious to see how this is gonna go around the country and around the world. Uh, veganism has exploded during the pandemic. It's up about 300%. Now it's fascinating to see what has grown and what hasn't. And plant-based restaurants and diets and foods have been an explosion during the pandemic. It's fascinating. Uh, almost every single fast food chain, fast food chain um, in the country, outside of the country, has started to develop either ongoing for their menu or testing or one-offs plant-based options. Uh, everything from KFC to Starbucks. It's quite fascinating. A multitude, Taco Bell, really giving people more options. And also LA has their first, ready for this, it's gonna be opening here in WeHo, a vegan restaurant, bar, nightclub. Now the reason why I love that is that's historically one of the reasons why I didn't always enjoy nightlife is it wasn't always easy to find appetizers, desserts, meals at some of the big hotspot bars and clubs. In LA, people that are not plant-based or vegan have been traditionally really willing to go to these places because they're stunning um, and the food is phenomenal. It's just good food. You know, when <laughs> what makes food delicious are the vegan ingredients, the herbs, the spices, the seasonings. So there's no loss in flavor, but I'm really excited about that. And then I see stories like this one, which is what got me on this whole thinking. Ready for this headline? A food truck sells out of 1,000 servings of this, ready? 3D printed vegan meat? 
I don't know about all that. <laughs> That's what's so fascinating to me is these things that are created in labs, but 3D printed vegan meat? I didn't even dive deep into the article because just that headline stopped me in my tracks and I was like, see, I don't know about that. I don't know what that means, but um, I wasn't so jazzed up on that one. So <laughs> you're gonna hear a lot of interesting stories around that. Um, but again, uh, for you know plant-based diet, people often say, well, why? Well, for health reasons, for spirituality, uh, it's feminist, not applying power over any, you're not oppressing or applying power over any um, any form of life that has less control and power than you do, you know, and all levels of oppression and violence intersect. So we have to battle, you know, homophobia, transphobia, classism, racism, just to, you know, really elevate. And then also speciesism, where just because we have, you know, power over animals doesn't mean we should assert that because that's the same thinking that has led to slavery and racism and misogyny and sexism. And so it's just really about taking care of any form of life <clears throat> that needs our care and support. Um, and God, the environmentalism, you know, the environmental impact of the meat industry is quite profound. So we definitely want to pull ourselves out of that one. But um, yeah, fascinating stuff, looking at all the changes that are happening. And that's what I always try to mind people. We want to feel the feelings and we want to mourn the loss, uh, literal or symbolically of what's come, employment, death, the closings of restaurants and stores and, and whatnot, while also acknowledging that, you know, um, it, it allows for the birth and creation of new things as well, you know, and that comes out of Eastern philosophy. Uh, one of my favorite, favorite Buddhist writers, the American nun Pema Chodron, uh, her work is phenomenal. Um, all of her work is quite phenomenal actually, but she talks a lot about how in order for us to really move forward and, and part of just growth is the annihilation of what was. And we even see that throughout history, you know, and, and not to trigger anyone that's triggered by, you know, Christian references, but even the crucifixion, I always found that storyline so powerful because it's a reminder that with death comes new life. Right. And that's why I found that valuable, that story and just how things it's part of the cycle of life. Things die and new things are created and emerge. And there's a lot of beauty in that. Uh, sadness and mourning, but also some beauty in that shift. And that's part of psychological and mental health and even relationships is what worked at one time or what made sense at one time isn't always what will always be. And as we mature and grow, often that means leaving behind family members or friends or relationships, right? And that not everything is forever and that there is a beauty in that. And we have to find acceptability in that, you know, while also honoring the mourning and the loss and the sadness. You know, again, mental health is feeling all feelings and feeling all them deeply, allowing, right? Not going into denial, not forcing positivity when it doesn't exist. So that's why it's not about staying positive. It's about staying honest and staying real. That's that's mental health. All right, y'all, we got a great show planned for you, so stick around. Uh, coming up next, Dr. James Simmons to talk about COVID vaccination updates. And uh, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, now let's go to our first guest, Dr. James Simmons. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. I am doing all right, Chris. How are you? All right. To be honest, you know, doing as best as I can, being honest with what my struggles are. Uh, you know, it's been a rough week. There, it's the intersection of a lot of different things, but uh, focusing on my self-care, it's kind of all we can do right now, right? Absolutely. I agree. You know, working, I just came off of eight days in a row at the hospital. Uh, and so I, I've been trying to be really forward and frank and honest about my mental health with folks as well. Like, I'm okay today. Some days I'm not. You know, you see a lot. You can only see so many people getting so sick for so long and unfortunately dying before, it, you know, it really takes a toll. That's real. That's real. And, and for people that aren't encountering that as much, I, I can't even imagine. So thank you for everything you're doing to help us with this right now, truly. 
Um, of course, of course. So let's do some COVID updates. Uh, a lot of people have been made very anxious looking at all the stories about the UK strain. What is it we need to know and what kind of perspective should we have on that? Yeah, you know, there's B1111, there's L452R. Just today, Cedar sinai announced that there's a new strain in Southern California, which could be related to the surge of cases that we had here in Los Angeles County. That one's called Cal20C. So you hear all these things, you hear all these numbers coming out and they can be really scary. I think the most important thing to remember about this is that we are doing some fantastic genome sequencing on the virus to find these variants so that we can trace them better. Ultimately, this helps us slow down the virus and continue to make sure that the vaccine is gonna work with these variants, which it's very, very important to note right now that even though the mutations of this virus are happening on that spike protein where the vaccinations work, we have all the evidence points to the fact that the vaccine will still continue to work against all of these variants so far. Okay. Thank you for saying that. I mean, that makes my anxiety levels drop because I think people read the headlines and they think, uh-oh, and it's like, yes, however, what you just said. Good, good. Because I think part of the problem is when we talk about mental health is people getting misinformation or not understanding the information. So um, sticking with that, one of the things I'm hearing people talk about is can't wait to get the vaccine because then I can just do whatever I want. I can throw my mask away, hit those dance parties. Talk to us about what we need to know post-vaccination about the possibility of infectiousness. Oh, man, I want to go dancing, too. I want to travel so much. It's killing me. It's it's tough. But we all have to continue to do our part. This is actually this is if you're a sports person, this is that analogy where that fourth quarter analogy. Comes OK, you in, right? already lost where, me. Did I lose you already? <laughs> right. I'm trying to think of another. Use analogy. a food metaphor. I like food metaphors. Oh, OK. Very good. So this is one of those where like. Uh, I'm trying, trying to think of a good food metaphor for you to complete the dish, right? Sometimes you can make it and it looks great, but presentation is everything. Mm. So if you're going to present this meal to someone, how you plate it, the garnishes that go with it can really just top it off. We're there. We are close with the light at the end of the tunnel. So for those of you getting vaccinated right away, hopefully everyone's going to get vaccinated soon, but I know it's taking a while. You still have to wear your masks and here's why, because we know that the data is overwhelmingly positive that this protects you from getting very sick with coronavirus if you get vaccinated. What we don't know yet is how contagious would you be if you're fully vaccinated and you get coronavirus, but then are you still contagious to others? We don't fully know that yet. So you can get totally vaccinated. You might even get coronavirus, you're likely not going to get very sick from it because you've been vaccinated, but you still might be able to pass it on to others. So no kicking, no big dance parties as much as we want to. Not yet until everybody gets vaccinated. OK, thank you for clarifying that, because I think that's what made me nervous when I was looking at the research is people thinking I get my second shot and I'm good to go. And it's like, well, hold on. No, you still have to follow some of those precautions. So are you so is that basically mean, though, then we have to reach a certain level of vaccination for us to be able to return? Like, what is the goal line that we're trying to get to? Sure. So everyone's been talking about this this uh, term herd immunity for a really long time, right? Well, that herd immunity place happens somewhere, depends on who you ask, between about 65 and 75% of all individuals, so I'm talking like across the globe, 
have either been vaccinated against COVID-19 or have been exposed to it. So then their body knows how to react to it. So it's a combination of individuals who have gotten COVID-19 and recovered from it. So their body knows how to react to it and other individuals who have been vaccinated. When we get to, let's say to be safe, somewhere around 75% of the entire globe reaches that, we hit this herd immunity place where the virus just can't live anymore. I mean, viruses don't live, but it just doesn't have vectors anymore. It starts to die off. We're still a very long way away from that right now. Womp womp, but good to know, truly. <laughs> womp womp, yeah. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, there's now something else emerging called post-COVID syndrome. What does that mean? Yeah, so you're seeing cases of this all over the world right now. In fact, there are hospital systems in New York that have opened post-COVID syndrome or the Center for Post-COVID Care. It's because people might get sick from COVID. They get over that acute phase, those couple of weeks where you just really feel awful. But then there are signs and symptoms that linger on for a really long time. People talk about this really, really intense fatigue. Uh, that it's difficult for them to even get out of bed, to go back to working out like they used to. There's a brain fog associated with this that is uh, reported almost across the board. There are other, you know, muscle pains, nerve pains that happen, all these different things that are directly related to COVID and its horrible effects on the body that linger in people now for months and months after they got over sort of that acute phase. So even if you're young and healthy and you're like, I'll be fine, I don't, you know, I can get COVID, I'm strong, I'm fine. First of all, we're finding lots of younger people are getting sick and dying from this, unfortunately. And second of all, even if you do get over it, there's the potential that you might have long-term symptoms. All right. So we got to still keep protecting ourselves and protecting those around us, right? Because it's not just looking out for ourselves. We're also trying to build in that keyword empathy and worry about how we're impacting others. Dr. James Simmons, thank you so much for being a part of our show. You are welcome. Someday, Chris, I'm going to come on here and we're going to have a really happy conversation. I, I can't wait. I really can't wait. It, every time you come on, we're, drop, we're dropping that dark truth. It's important. But... Uh, I'm the harbinger of like whatever, of doom every time I come on. That's all right. This is good information for people to know. And like I said, stay, stay firm. We are almost there. Stay, stay. We can do this, y'all. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. All right, and there you have it, y'all. We still are not out of the woods, and even getting the vaccine does not mean we are. And I'm really pressing upon that word empathy because all the decisions you make might be a risk that you are willing to take, but you still have the possibility of passing that along to others. We want to look out for our impact on others. That is the definition of mental health. For those that want some more resources, we're going to put some up at the end of the show. We'll be back next week. And as always, thanks for hanging out with me, and you all have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this DM says, Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Nina, and I've been dating this girl, Megan, on and off for five years. Five years, it's a long time. We start off really rocky. She lived in Florida, and I lived in New York. Okay, it's not too bad. Then, when we finally moved in together, she lied to me and said that her parents knew, but they didn't. They didn't even know we were dating. Finally, a year ago, she came clean, and we've been working on our relationship. We're even engaged. However, I feel so alone. A lot of my friends don't talk to me anymore because they don't like her. The friends that did keep around are always a little different around her. My family acts normal around her, but I know they worry. I don't want to be picking sides the rest of my life. I love her, but I love and miss my friends and family. Can I have both? 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I need more information. Uh, what is it about them that they don't like? Is there a problem that you're not acknowledging? Um, or is it just different personality styles? Because your friends and family don't have to like her. They don't even have to spend time with her. It's okay to spend time with your friends alone. It's, a, it's okay to spend time with your family alone. It's okay to have date night. You are allowed to compartmentalize things. I don't always spend time with everyone. I want to spend time alone by myself. Other times I want to be with, in my relationship. Other times I just want to see a friend alone. Other times I want to be alone with my family. Sometimes I bring everyone together. But they're not dating her. They don't, they don't need to like your girlfriend. That's actually totally fine. You shouldn't have to choose. If they don't enjoy your girlfriend, don't bring them around together. There's a lot of people that are in my life that are dating people I don't like. We just don't hang out with them. I ask questions. I hope it's going well, but I mind my business. If you're happy, you're happy. But we shouldn't have to lose people. We just set boundaries. You don't like this person? Great. You don't have to hear about them or see them. Or you don't have to see them, but I'd love to still be able to talk about them. Couple things though. Uh, make sure you are sharing the positives. Sometimes we only discuss uh, someone we're in a relationship with when we're upset or frustrated. And if you're always sharing those parts, then that's all your family or friends maybe know, right? So you wanna make sure you're also sharing the positive, the beautiful, the fun, the joy, the care, the love. Because some people's only experience is the one you give them of your partner. And again, if you're only sharing the struggles and that's all they know. So make it your job to make sure you're also sharing all the positives, the fun, the joy, the excitement, the love, the care. And if your partner's a good person, then we're good. It might just, be, again, not everyone has to like everyone. I don't know where the idea came from that everyone always has to get along. You don't. That's called life. And we honor and respect anyway. So your friends and family need to be respectful, but they don't have to enjoy her. They don't have to want to spend time with her. Again, I have tons of friends and family members whose husbands, wives, or girlfriends, boyfriends, I don't have interest in being alone with or spending time with, but I'm respectful. I don't make a big deal about it. I mind my business. You know what I mean? Unless there's some red flag. And if they've shared that with you, look into that. Um, but otherwise you're good. And I'm actually totally fine. If I don't know why she felt the need to lie to you about her parents knowing, but that was just something that she wasn't ready to do to tell them. Okay. So I want to get rid of the word like lying and coming clean. What's going on in your relationship that she's not able to honestly tell you that? Like, I'm curious about that. Is that that she's not intimate with that? You're not? I don't know. But your bigger question is, can I have both or do I need to pick one? Yes, you can have both. No, you do not need to pick. As we date, our lives should get bigger. Dating shouldn't shrink it down where we're only with our partner. We don't see people. It should get bigger, right? And um, more inclusive. So share the positive. Set some boundaries. And, and, and just remind yourself and your friends, hey, it's okay that you all don't get along. You don't have to. That happens sometimes. You know what I mean? And I'll see you when I see you. And make sure you do. Make sure you do go see these friends and loved ones alone. Doesn't have to be a big drama. Say to your girlfriend, hey, I'm going to go see my mom. I'll check you later. Hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friend. I'll see you later. Like everyone doesn't need to all be running around together in a club, right? We're cool like that. So yeah, no worries. It doesn't sound like your girlfriend's bothered either way. So, you know, I'm glad you're taking the responsibility for that, but that happens a lot. You know, not everyone's always going to enjoy each other and that's okay. It's really about the respect and the care and your family does need to have that, but make sure you are sharing the positive. Um, all right. Good one. I like that. I like questions like this. Coming up next, we're going to talk about how to do an anti- to-do list. That's right. <laughs> we're trying to let go. We're trying to go easy on ourselves. And so we're not trying to build more to-do lists, which stress us out, burn us out. And there's always something going on. We're trying to do an anti to-do list. I know I love this stuff. I love flipping the script because again, mental health is about not doing more. It's about resting more joy and pleasure, 
focusing on what gives us meaning and purpose in our lives. That's why we're here. That's what it's about. And that leads to contentment, which leads to happiness. Happiness is a byproduct. All right, so how we do an anti-to-do list is coming up and uh, question the night, and then we'll be closing out the show with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop us in our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline. Check them out over at wearechannelq.com. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Coming up next, we're going to be talking with Honeybee Health to talk about apps for getting your meds safe. All right, now we're back with our next guest, Dr. Jessica Nuevandi, the lead pharmacist, co-founder, and co-CEO of Honeybee Health. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me. So uh, how is your mental health doing right now through all that's going on? It's tough. You know, it's tough. I'm not going to lie, especially, um, you know, trying to lead a company and trying to keep people motivated and excited and happy and comfortable. It, it's been a rough journey, but, but we're doing okay. We're hanging in. That's what I keep saying. We're dropping the bar a little bit. As long as we're doing like 60 or 70%, that's good. That's good right now. So let's talk a little bit about Honeybee Health. For those that aren't familiar, it's an online pharmacy. Um, for those that aren't familiar with that concept, uh, how do you explain what that is? Yeah, so Honeybee Health is an online pharmacy that is, you know, you can go and search your pricing on your medication. We have over 6,000 medications. It'll get shipped right to your door as long as you have a valid prescription without the need for insurance. And so what we tell people is most of the time, you know, your insurance will pay, you're actually overpaying. And so you can go on our site, whether you're at the doctor's office, you're at the pharmacy, wherever you are, and search what your medication costs on honeybeehealth.com. And, you know, we're, we're just saving people a lot of money by cutting out the middlemen involved in the pharmacy industry. Phenomenal. I think that's so phenomenal. Uh, a lot of people struggle to afford their medications. I also know some people that sadly pass on a medication because they can't afford it. And this kind of cuts that out. Absolutely. And that's the reason we started Honeybee. I was just tired of seeing my patients walk away from the pharmacy counter without being able to afford their medication. And you hear these horror stories, you know, I'm a big believer in continuity of care, especially when it comes to mental health. It's just all about staying on your regimen. It takes time, it takes time to feel better and you have to give yourself that, that space. And that's really hard to do in today's world. You know, one month it's covered, one month is not. And we, we take that out of the picture for you. We make it completely easy. You know, you can expect the same price month to month and you can even get a 90 day supply. If your doctor writes for a year's supply, we'll fill that for you too. For okay. your doctor, as you should have, we do it for you. Phenomenal. And also I think it's important to talk about access of care, um, access to care, where not everyone lives uh, in an environment or in, in a geographic area that has access to pharmacies, right? And then we also have people that probably want something that's more anonymous or confidential, and they don't have to then walk into an actual physical site. Absolutely. And especially during COVID, you know, we're urging people, if you don't have to go to the pharmacy, use an online pharmacy like Honeybee Health. You know, we want to um, social distance as much as possible, but also, yeah, it's, it's private. You know, it's, it's, it, you have that, that care. You get pharmacists six days a week ready for consultation and you don't have to wait in line. You don't have to drive an hour away to go to see your favorite pharmacy. Like we have it all ready for and, and go back to what made you want to be a part of something like this. I, I know you're a pharmacist, and like you said, it was really hard for you to watch people that couldn't do continuity of care, didn't have access to affordable medication. Um, was that what completely drove this? 
Yeah, I mean, just realizing, you know, as a pharmacist, how little I can control for my patients. It's really the insurance companies that were controlling what was on their formulary, what would they pay month to month, and what was actually covered. And when you see people who've been on the same medication who that's been helping them for years, and all of a sudden it's not covered, and there's nothing you can do about it, it's, you know, it's a pretty tough pill to swallow. So this is really my life's mission is to make access to affordable medication easier. And, you know, we're doing it slowly. Yeah, it's powerful because also, you know, one of the things I see that comes into my office or just even out in the world or, gosh, watching media is we still live in a culture that shames and illegitimizes mental health struggles. And so not everyone feels like they have maybe the familial or the social support and they don't necessarily, again, want to have to publicly access pills. We have pill shaming. And so I like the idea that someone can safely at home really monitor and set the boundaries around who's aware of their health care needs in terms of mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what our pharmacists and we have a whole team of people that we call patient advocates that are like literally just there to help talk to talk to you and help you um, decide which one is best for you and remind you when your refills are due so that you you know you don't forget. And we have pharmacists ready to, to consult with you if you feel like something's not right. And And yeah, the privacy is there, you know, and you can go search and you don't have to wait until you get to the counter and realize you can't afford it and walk away. That's embarrassing. Uh, Problematic. Yeah. Embarrassing. And and we, we don't want that. And so we want people to feel comfortable. We want people to have that privacy and to be able to know that they have, you know, they can get it at the same price month to month. And I love all this because the whole purpose of this show is to destigmatize and normalize talking about mental health. So this is a huge part of that. Um, so finally, Honeybee Health, where can people go to uh, access this? Yeah, so it's honeybeehealth.com and our social media is honeybeehealthrx. Um, and our toll-free number is 833-HONEYRX as well. Um, but, you know, it's honeybeehealth.com. Anybody can go on the site and search. The pricing is open for everybody to search. And, um, you know, if you like what you see, it's, it's a very simple process. And if it's difficult to, you know, for you to figure it out, we have people on the phone, no problem, we'll, we'll help you through it. And so we're, we're ready and available. Beautiful. Dr. Jessica Nuavandi from Honeybee Health, thank you so much for being a part of our show. Thank you. Have a beautiful rest of your night. All right, we're back and we're talking about ways to go easy on yourself. What? Don't have a to-do list, have an anti-to-do list. Yes, that's right. Again, we are so obsessed with our worth, our, our, our confidence, our value being, what are we producing? How much money are we making? And that's why I've been telling people through the pandemic, yeah, find a side hustle, but also remember anything that you love doing or any hobby, the minute you turn it into a financial uh, project, you take the love out of it all the time. And that's why people will say, oh, I used to love doing A, B, and C, but the minute I turned it into a business or made it my career, it sucked the life out of it because then it became about just sustaining itself. It became about how much money I'm making. It became about what do people want? And it's no longer about what it meant for me. And so just be very thoughtful about that. Um, if you love something, maybe it's best to just give it for free, right? Or to not make a business or career out of it. Because again, it changes our relationship to it. Um, it's very hard. 
uh, to maintain that. You know, you love writing, but all of a sudden it becomes your job and now you're worried about sales, what your editor thinks, your publisher, what's going on in culture. And that's why for me, I try to keep my writing personal and private and I put it out on my Medium page, which Medium is a platform for articles. So if you want to read my articles, uh, Google Medium and then Chris Donahue or Dr. Chris Donahue and my page will come up. I have to remember to share more of these on my social media page. Um, but, and it's for not, it's not for profit. And so I can write what I want to write. I've in the past been paid to write and it was always, can you write more this way? Or we would prefer this topic. And the joy was sucked right out of it. I want to write what my heart makes me compelled to write. So anyway, side note about that. Now having an anti to-do list. Why? Well, because we're focusing on mental health. We're letting the bar down. We're going 60%, but also because we're in a pandemic, we're still burnout and exhausted. We're finally getting those vaccines, but there's still more to come. But bigger than that, I don't want people to be hyper stressed. And so we are focusing more on going easy on ourselves. So a couple things. First off, right, a lot of people are feeling compelled to keep up with every single change. Now that we have an administration shift, I think some of our obsession with the news or social media might dissipate, right? Because we're not anxiously wondering what has that sociopath done now, right? We feel a little more confident with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in office. So hopefully that will dissipate. But if not, start to check in with yourself. Remind yourself, I don't need to be keeping up with everything as much. Every time I open the news or go on my social media, I'm spiking my psyche and my nervous system. I don't need that, right? So remember that. <laughs> We're also being kinder to ourselves, right? We're letting go of the judgments and expectations. That was what I wanted for people in the new year. Not new year, new me. New year, what do I want to bring forward? What do I want what, what do I want to leave behind? Right? So it's a different lens. Who do I want to be? Who do I not want to be? And it's about maybe just saying, I'm good as I am. I love hearing people say that. I'm good as I am. That's contentment. And contentment leads to happiness where you're just happy with what is. That doesn't mean we don't change things. It doesn't mean we don't want things, right? We're not trying to be toxically positive. If things aren't well, we acknowledge that they're not well, right? But we're also letting go and we're focusing on more contentment right? We're, we're finding more peace in that. We're also letting go of a diet culture this year. <laughs> we're eating what we want. We're letting our natural cues, body cues, tell us when it's time to eat and time to stop eating, which means we have to slow down a little bit. So our body can say I'm full or our body can say I want more, but we're not getting hyper-focused on these diets. We know diets have a failure rate of 99%. They don't work. And the outcome of a lot of the negative outcomes of being larger bodied are often related to the yo-yo dieting, the stress it puts on your body, right? And so we're doing more intuitive eating, Google and read books on intuitive eating. That means listening to your body's cues. So we're getting away from these diet plans that are rooted in diet culture and gym culture, which tell us certain foods are good. Certain foods are bad. We're shaming ourselves for eating. We're saying, if I eat something, I need to punish myself with, you know, working out. That's not mental health. So we're leaving all that mess behind. And in the new year, we're focusing on eating what feels good and moving our bodies in whatever way we move them because that's good, right? Intuitive eating and intuitive movement. What does my body feel like doing? And when I feel like stopping, I stop. I don't need to push myself. I don't need to optimize. I'm learning how to just be content with what is. And we're doing the same for others. I also love this idea of we're wearing whatever we want. We're focusing more on comfort. We don't need to be fashionable. We don't need to look great. We're just wearing what's comfortable. That was a battle I had to go up against. I was really used to looking good, wearing what I thought I needed to wear. And the pandemics had me wearing more comfortable things, hoodies, sweaters, sweatpants. 
pants that are looser and I will continue to do that. I want to be comfortable. That's why I love the Bernie Sanders meme of him at the inauguration. He's like, it's cold out. I'm wearing the jacket I like wearing. I don't need a big designer fancy over the top, whatever. I'm going to go as myself and I'm going to go comfortable. I don't need to perform anything. I don't need to be classist and have higher designer expensive price point clothing on to to be respectful of the day or to be taken seriously. No, you take me seriously because I'm a person, you know? So more comfort. If, if nothing else out of this segment, that's what I want y'all to hear. Comfort. Do what's comfortable, wear what's comfortable, look how it's comfortable. You don't have to get all you don't have to wear makeup if you don't want. We've let our hair go gray. We're we're letting our lines be seen, we're letting ourselves age. Go with what's comfortable. I haven't been doing my hair often. I'm wearing a baseball cap. That's more comfortable. I'm doing, I'm doing therapy with a baseball cap on. Why? Because that's what's comfortable. I'm not trying to be professional. I'm trying to be comfortable and authentic. That's what I want for everyone. You know, we're taking shortcuts with chores. What's the easier way to get this done? I don't need to do it perfect or 100%. I just need to do it to the level that it needs to be done. I'm taking shortcuts. What's the easier way? If I can put it off, I'm putting it off. You know, we're letting our places be maybe a little messier than we normally would, right? Because it doesn't matter. We're just trying to be more comfortable and at peace. We're getting more familiar and comfortable with our change in our sleep schedule. If we're staying up a little later, okay. If we're sleeping in a little more, okay. We're giving ourselves room to just be more honest. We're not being so rigid. We don't have to optimize everything. I want to circle back to this more. So next week, I'm going to try to make sure I hit these points a little deeper. Um, all right, y'all, question of the night, and then some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Now it's time for a question of the night. According to a new study done by NBC News, millions of Americans have moved during the pandemic. I've seen it. I know some people, they went home, they couldn't afford the city they were living in, uh, lost their job or financial issues, couldn't keep paying their rent. People that were maybe housing for school and lost, you know, the system shut down and they had to leave. All sorts of stuff going on. But um, what is it? Millions of Americans. That's no joke. The top cities to move to are, this is interesting, Sacramento, nice place up north. Cooler weather, I like it. Lower prices. Las Vegas. It's a little interesting. I wonder what that's about. I'd love to hear. Phoenix, great place. Austin. Austin's phenomenal. There's a flood. There's a rush down there. I'm not 100% sure why. I mean, it's a great place. Maybe that's just it. But that's actually going to start to spike those rents. I know people that are like panicking. They're like, we got to get down there. trying to buy something, rent something. Everyone's heading down. And Atlanta. Atlanta, I've actually never been to. I've heard good things, though. Y'all sound fun over there. Uh, Here's a question tonight, though. Have you moved or considered moving during the pandemic? 81% of people said yes, that they've moved or consider moving. 81%. That is huge. And again, that's out of fear, anxiety of local laws. Some people are like, look, everyone around here is not wearing masks. I'm out. People, it's because the job market stinks. Other people, it's because they can't afford their rent. There's no jobs. 20% 20% said no. So 20% are sitting tight. Either they're, they're, they're hanging in or all's going well. So the question of the night is, where did you go or why do you want to go? Curious to hear this. First person said, I moved from LA to San Diego to save a little bit of money and still be close to fam. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. LA and San Diego, only about a two, two and a half hour distance, but um, very different environments. I could see San Diego for many feeling like a, a slower, slower lifestyle. It's definitely cheaper down there. Less industry though. If you're working in the entertainment biz, you need to be in LA, but you're still close enough. Not necessarily to commute every day, but you're closer to fam. That's nice. Someone else said, I'm in Florida and I want to get out of here because people are just 
disgusting and selfish. I just can't afford to move, but it seems like everywhere else is too expensive. It is. Moving's expensive, right? It doesn't even matter where you're moving to, just the moving process is very expensive. So many small things. And to get a place, you have to have first, last, first months, last time security. So it's pricey, right? And I agree with you. Some places, it's really sad to see how selfish people are. They don't care about other people. They're like, I want to party, or I don't want to wear a mask. I don't care if I infect others. And we're seeing tons of those stories still where someone had to get together and 18 people now got COVID. It's a mess. It hurts my heart. I wanted people to um, care more about how they impacted others. I wanted people to be more thoughtful, but they're not. Question tonight. Um, have you thought during the pandemic of moving or have you moved? And if so, where'd you go or where or uh, why do you want to go? Uh, somebody said, I, I wanted to move to Canada. Uh, excuse me. I wanted to move to Canada or New Zealand. Turns out they don't really want Americans coming in. LOL. Wonder why. That's why, because <laughs> we're a mess. Uh, other countries don't think we're the greatest country. A lot of countries think we're obnoxious and entitled, and uh, they're rolling their eyes at our gun laws, the, the fact that Trump was president, um, the way we're handling COVID. Uh, Canada's a great place. I'm in a relationship with someone from Canada. I absolutely love Canada, but I appreciate why they don't want us there. And New Zealand, same. New Zealand is welcoming very few people. It's a beautiful place. Very, very, very far, hard to get to, worth it. But they don't want that mess coming in here. Americans don't have a good name and it's only been made worse by Trump. I've shared, I'm embarrassed to be an American. I'm embarrassed. I have been because of all the issues, but I continue to be. Um, we have a lot of work to do, y'all, for people to look at us with some respect because right now we don't deserve it. It's a mess. So I hear you on that one. Again, question of the night is uh, during the pandemic, millions have moved. Where did you go or why do you want to go? Someone said, um, I didn't move, but my goal during the pandemic has been to try to save money. So after the pandemic, I can get a nice house and invest in more space. So if another pandemic happens, I'll live more comfortably. Oh my God. You're right. Future behavior predicted by past behavior. We could have another pandemic. Part of it's because of the... Uh, Food industry, right? Let's stop eating animals and supporting wet markets and uh, animal agriculture, which is where a lot of these viruses, SARS, bird flu, a lot of things are spread that way. And so, yeah, it's very possible as we continue to participate in that system that it happens again. And with the fa and we saw this time, people won't wear a mask. It's so basic. And so, yeah, you're right. It could happen again and get spread all over because people just refuse to stay home. People just refuse to cancel events and people ref just refuse to wear a damn mask. So it is possible. Um, I like what you're saying. You're like, I'm a hustle right now. That's what I'm doing. I'm like taking care of myself, resting, getting my hustle on at the same time. And um, I hope you get that new nice place when the world opens up again, uh, sir. Okay, someone else said, uh, I went from New York to Austin. It's been the best move ever. The rent is a quarter of what I was paying in New York and the weather is the best. Yeah, Austin's stunning. It's very rad, very queer. Queers and non-normative queers and people are living their authentic lives, not queers and gay. Although there's a great gay scene there if that's your jam. Uh, New York City's way expensive. Um, I lived there for many, many years. Not my thing anymore. Uh, I'm a West Coast person. I love the energy, the vibe. But uh, Austin, uh, a quarter of what you're paying in New York, I believe it. You probably are rocking out a nice place compared to where you were in New York. So congrats. Beautiful place to move to. I wish I knew why, though. What made you choose Austin? Just the, the fees, the weather, the access to everything? My little brother lives down there. It's a great city. All right, y'all. Thanks to those that participated. The question of the night is back up in our Loveline IG page story. So weigh in on that. When we come back, we're going to be closing out with some DMs. If you got a DM for us, you can drop it in the Loveline IG page, in the stories. I'm sorry, in the uh, DMs. Always confidential, always anonymous. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com.
All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Charlie. I was adopted by a white family. I'm black. I started to look into my adoption a few months ago out of curiosity, and I found out some inconsistencies between the paperwork and what I've been told. I've always been told it was a closed adoption, but it was actually open. My birth mother called me every year until my teens. My birth mother also never knew who my father was. When, I, when I've always been told it was a man who didn't want me. Wow, man. First off, I'm empathizing. I mean, it's an interesting thing where when parents adopt, they do have to try to figure out what they think is going to be in the best interest of their child and even for themselves. And they figure out if they think they should, you know, what they should say, when they should say it, how they should say it. Um, a lot of experts, and I'm not an expert on adoption, but a lot of them believe you should tell the child and tell them, you know, sooner than later and normalize and let them know that we're still your parents, but we didn't birth you. Because as we all know, it doesn't matter who births you, it's who's your caregiver. We need caregivers. And just because someone births you does not mean they love you or care for you. There's a lot of horrible parents out there. No, parents do not all love their children. We hear horrible things that parents will do to the people they birth. And so parents are actually the caregivers, you know? Um, but I'm sorry that, you know, and I empathize with you finding out the backstory afterwards. Um, but anyway, the rest of your question says, my question is, do I confront my birth parents with my newly found information or should I let it go and try to find my birth dad? Um, I'm going to, I know you, I don't know what you meant in the word confront. So let me start there. We don't confront ever. We can, um, sit down and talk out something. And I want to use that word cause it's lighter. Con conf confront sounds usually harsh and hard and we never want to do that, but we might want to talk to them. And I do think you should. Yes. It's intimacy building. I want people to be intimate and transparent. There'd be no reason to withhold what you found out because you can't withhold that. That would emotionally show up consciously or unconsciously in your relationship with them. You can't just let that go. There'd be no way for you to not somehow bring that up or have that woven into your further interactions with them around trust or whatever we're talking about. That's a big deal. And when we find things out like that, we have to be willing to share it. It's the same thing I say to people that are emotionally abusive and go through people's phones. I say to them, that's not right. That's emotionally abusive. That's actually a reason to get broken up with. But if you do it and you find something, yeah, you got to own it and discuss it. Otherwise, good luck trying to let that go and hold some of the things you find when you go through someone's phone. So you have to own it. You have to say, I'm being inappropriate. I have poor boundaries. I'm not willing to work on my trust issues or whatever. And I looked and now we have to talk about what I found. And yes, you get to hold me accountable for in whatever ways need to be done for having done that. But we have to disclose things we find. Now we have a different case like this individual, Charlie. And you've done some research, which is very understandable. People want answers, right? You're trying to make sense of all this and you found something out, but give your parents a chance to explain what that was about. Um, and that's part of why we don't confront, we talk. Hey, I need to talk to you, mom and dad. They'll say what's going on. Well, I've come across some information and it turns out that the story's a little different than the one you presented to me. Can we talk about what the truth is and can we talk about why you told me an alternative story? And you give them a chance to reflect back intimacy, which is what you're doing when you are transparent and talk about all this. And they'll, and they'll talk to you about it because these people I assume are important to you and they can maybe help you along. And I don't know what their reasoning was, but we're gonna give them a chance to find out because they're your parents, you know? And so yes, please talk it out. Do not just try to let it go because I don't even believe that you could actually just let it go, you know? 
Um, that's, that's intimacy is when we share things that make us nervous. That's intimacy when we hold space and ask people difficult questions and give them a chance to connect with us and be honest with us, you know, and sometimes part of growing up is finding out that our parents aren't perfect or that they've lied to us or misled us or given us false information. And part of being in a relationship is being willing to talk that out. That's the commitment we make when we form a relationship with someone is that we'll talk things out. We won't just make decisions for them, right? We'll bring things to them. We'll let them know what we're struggling with and we'll try to do the repair if possible. And so get some accountability, get some truth, absolutely sit down and talk to them, do it lovingly and calmly and see what they say and process how you feel about what they share with you. And then they can maybe be a part of this next journey. There might be even more information and and whatnot that they can add to this. So give them a chance to be able to do that. You know, there might be a backstory you're not aware of. They might've been protecting you from something, right? And that's why we always want to just ask because we never know the full story. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back on Monday night. Check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. As always, please focus on and prioritize your mental health. There's no definition of health that doesn't include the impact something has on our mental health. So prioritize that. Thanks for hanging out with me and you all have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.